Welcome to the Esports Coaching Essentials Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help level up your career in business. Powered by Coachify.gg, providing all of the tools you need to run your esports coaching business. Track your students, inspire them to succeed, and turn your passion into profit. Sign up for free today. Today I'm interviewing Ben Posada, currently the head coach at Pathway Esports, which is a division of Mastery Coding, a large e-learning provider based out of Los Angeles, California. Ben, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. So first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your current job? Well, I started this job about two years ago, and they asked me to coach their Fortnite teams and be able to see where that might lead. And then the program grew in a ton by the second year. And when they welcomed me back, they asked me to be the head coach. This has awesome. been a really excellent experience uh, where I get to work with up to 500 students um, wow. in my different groups. And I've had a lot of ability to kind of reach out and assist students in improving at the game, but also just really maturing as people. Very cool. What's it like managing 500 gamers? I have to ask. It's stressful. Um, it's definitely a lot of work. I've only got about 300 that I'm directly in charge of, and then 200 that they have coaches in charge of them, but I'm managing those coaches and making sure that everything's going well on their end. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, 300, that's not nearly as bad as 500. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a big responsibility. It was a new experience because biggest group I'd ever worked with before was about 200. And that was kind of like a camp style. It wasn't mm. this long form, like I'm with them the whole school year start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, no, most teachers, I imagine, you know, probably aren't working with 500 students unless they're college professors and uh, totally different format there. True. Although, man, my future mother-in-law, she's got about a thousand elementary schoolers that she teaches because she's an art teacher. Oh, wow. Okay, I stand corrected. There we go. <laughs> have to get some more art teachers in here then. So how did you first get into gaming? And then how did you get into esports? Well, I first started when I was three years old with, I believe it was StarCraft, then Warcraft, and then Diablo. Uh, as you may notice, there was a little bit of a blizzard streak mm -hmm. going there. Uh, and I, I keep that to this day. I still play Hearthstone just about every day. <laughs> I really nice. enjoyed games. I, I had a lot of time on my hands and being able to feel challenged and find new systems that I could understand and manipulate was intriguing to me. So by the time I got to high school and I started playing um, actually the gathering a little bit more seriously, I started traveling to events and being able to actually have some earnings that kind of sparked the idea that, Hey, I could make some money with games. Then when I got to college, I was invited to participate on our collegiate Hearthstone and League of Legends teams because I, I was pretty good at both of them. And I was a very organized person. I'd had a lot of experience in playing games and in teaching them. So being able to participate came out. <laughs> and I'd been playing some PUBG at the time. And I was like, like, wow, this is, an, and he had more wins than me. So I kept <laughs> playing until I could top them. And yep. at that point, I was hooked. I, I was teaching full-time. I was a student full-time of that. Uh, and streaming is really if I could work with them one-on-one. -on -one. 
I was intrigued. I mean, I was about to graduate with my degree in education. So teaching somebody was certainly right up my alley. And I said, all right, uh, we'll do subscriber Sundays and I'll coach subscribers on Sundays. And that kind of lifted off to the point that these people that I interacted with almost daily were telling me I wasn't charging nearly enough and that I should really be doing this as a full-time job. Oh, that's always nice to hear. Yeah, it, it really encouraged me and it gave me kind of the oomph to lift off. And actually one of my mods was the one who first linked this, uh, this website called Gamer Sensei to me and said, hey, you might be able to coach for them. You should check it out. So I applied, uh, almost immediately was accepted and onboarded. And that began a pretty beautiful journey for me. Very nice. So with your stream, how did you kind of get started since, you know, that led to your first paying students in a way, since you were only allowing subscribers, uh, how did you get started with streaming? I was on a 60 Hertz gaming laptop and I had some friends who streamed on Twitch and I was like, all right, that's a cool idea. Let's see what will happen. I, I was watching uh, Dakotas at the time and Ninja and Myth. Those are like the three big guys that I really mm -hmm. looked up to. Um, so when I started looking into it, I just had very bare bones stuff. I mean, I didn't have anybody make graphics for me. I didn't know how to make graphics. So I was using like Fortnite avatars and things. I was streaming at a absolutely horrid quality because you know this, this was just a laptop but people seem to enjoy watching even with the what i look back on as poor quality they they really enjoyed it a lot of that community is what drove me to find such a passion for gaming uh, i remember one of my viewers and he be, actually became a mod for me sent me this beautiful message saying how i gave him the motive or i gave him so much relief from his daily life because he had a lot of constant pain that he was in. And when he played, it helped a little bit, but when he watched me, that specifically made it disappear. Wow. And I remember reading that. And to this day, it's, it's still one of those messages that has affected me so much seeing that I could have such a positive impact on people from playing a game and teaching other people how to play it. That's really cool, man. I bet that provides a ton of drive. Yeah, definitely. It, to this day, a lot of time from that one. So with the streaming, were there any other kind of important breakthroughs on your journey? I think I started to lift off a bit on streaming when I upgraded to a PC. Uh, I custom built my first one and all of a sudden I was at, uh, I think it was 165 frames. I was holding those steady even during the stream. I got a nice microphone. I got a nice webcam. I started kind of just upgrading my peripherals to make sure things felt nicer for the viewers. Mm -hmm. And the moment, and I still remember this moment, that it changed was I was in a match and one of my viewers said, hey, this guy, uh, Faze Avery, is in your match right now. I was like, oh, I've never heard of him before. Uh, is he supposed to be good? And he's like, yeah, you know, he's a pro signed to Phase Clan. Like, he's really big. Oh, all right, cool. Uh, I'll see if I can find him. And so I kind of searched the map for him, but I didn't have anybody telling me where he was. I, I didn't even know if he was big or not at the time. Um, chances were I happened upon him and I got into a build fight with him and I actually made him rage quit. Like he <laughs> completely disconnected from the match 
because I had boxed him and, and outbuilt him. And at that moment, my viewership went from my kind of 20 average to all of a sudden I had almost 300 people watching me. Wow. And I remember I was shaking. I didn't know what was happening. I'd never had this many people have eyes on me before. And a lot of them honestly were not very kind. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of them stuck around. And that stream I had over 100 average viewers. And I remember calling my, my mom at the time and saying, look, like it's working, it's happening, like people are watching. And I, I made a decent amount of money from that stream. And it, it was kind of this moment where I was like, wow, could I really go for it? Could I really do this? Awesome. Well, I love it, especially if he uh, rage quit and uh, stopped the stream, then, you know, where are all those viewers going to go? But to uh, the guy that actually made him do it. Exactly. So you've got a really kind of unique background, I would say, uh, in terms of coaching, because you actually got a education degree and were a teacher and focused on education to start with. So a lot of people come to this, you know, uh, not from the education side of things. How do you think that's affected your personal style of coaching? I think it's completely changed it. Um, I don't think I'd be the coach that I am today without that background in education. And Some of that I attribute to my actual schooling and some of it to my family. I come, both my parents are teachers. Three out of my four grandparents are teachers. My fiance is a teacher. We're really a family of teachers. And I always grew up with the concept of you should love learning just as a forerunner. Mm. So being able to always make education fun and interesting has been one of my driving motivators. And I think that's important for coaching as well as for teaching. A lot of people will say, you know, and city sport, it's intrinsically fun. And those people probably haven't practiced very much at an esport before. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of practicing is not going to be the most fun. You're going to be grinding your aim, you're going to be grinding certain mechanics. And when I say grinding, I mean, you're putting 50 hours, 100 hours, 200 hours into these skills that are very rote and repetitive and not necessarily enjoyable. So one of my ways of making this more fun is working with my student in order to find specific goals that they can attain and be able to kind of gamify those goals to make it more entertaining and more fun for them. Yeah. I've also incorporated a ton of content from my favorite educational psychologist, um, Vygotsky, where I created what, I shouldn't say created, I borrowed his zone of uh, proximal (laughs) development. Mm -hmm. And so I always teach skills based on where my student is at, rather than trying to just go far ahead and say, hey, these are all the things you need to know. I'm going to start by looking at what do they already know and what is in their grasp to actually be able to learn. Because if you try to work with somebody who's new to a game or who's good at a game, you you try to give them pro-level experience they're not going to know what to do with that. Yeah. You need to take that step back and you need to be what I label myself as a fundamentals coach. Mm -hmm. Make sure they really understand everything from the ground up. They're going to understand the whys as well as the hows. Because if you don't understand why you're doing something, you're probably not going to figure out how to use it in a different scenario. And based on those two formulas, all of a sudden students are able to within an hour, two hours with me almost immediately find a difference in their play style. 
So with all of that, what would you say is the most important thing for an eSport coach to know? Oh, that's a hard one. I would say to be humble and to approach the people that they're working with as people. I mean, it really comes down to that interpersonal relationship that you're creating with your student. If you're working with somebody and you just look at them as this avatar in a game or this avatar on a platform like Discord where you're usually interacting with them, it's very easy to be more harsh or to just be very direct. And they'll learn from that. 100% they will. But it's not going to have the lasting impact on them or the ability to create a good relationship between the two of you. So... To be the best coach you can be, you also have to tread this line of friend. And you can't go too far because this mm -hmm. is a business relationship at the end of the day. But if you're not connecting with this person on a personal basis, then you're not going to actually have that relationship that they're going to have the trust in you to just do what you say and to follow your advice. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. So if you look back over your career, it sounds like it's flowed from one thing to another pretty well, but is there anything that you would have done differently? Well, I wish there was some type of degree in esports when I was going to college. <laughs> I've yep. helped a lot of my students be able to move towards degrees in their styles. And I actually have a couple of coaches as well as students that I've worked with who have just switched into an education degree uh, somewhat off of my advice to be able to go into coaching as a profession. Um, but nowadays, we're starting to see their actual universities offering coaching as a degree that you could have or be able to go to an esports college and be able to learn about a specific game or a group of games that they could compete in. So I wish those opportunities were there 10 years ago when I was looking at colleges. Um, I'm not sure I would have done much differently besides really working on my social media management. Mm, yep. This is something a, a good friend of mine actually kind of nudged me towards and I fought it a lot. Uh, but finally, I, I started doing that social media management, trying to reach out and make connections with people. And it, it's kind of a game changer when you can say, oh, you just know this person at this big company all of a sudden the connections that they can line up for you or you can line up for them and have this mutually beneficial relationship, it completely changes the range of what you can accomplish. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to uh, insert too much of myself into the conversation, but it, it's so hard for so many people, especially it, it seems like the kind of people that become coaches to really focus on kind of building their personal brands and building their network but your network is just so incredibly important, you know, the further you go in your career. And so for a lot of people, I, I try to relate it back to, you know, your network is like your luck in D&D. You know, anything that you can do to boost your luck, you know, it's not guaranteed to make something happen, but it increases the chance that just something amazing can, you know, fall into your lap. And if you don't, you know, take the time and effort to build that, then, you know, you're decreasing your chances. Fully agreed. There's this kind of negative or this stigma I've seen around being an opportunist, being somebody who tries to make opportunities happen and actually capitalize on them when they do. And in the world of esports, social media really is the land of opportunity. Being yep. able to see, oh, this person's working on this project. I could assist with that project. And then that could completely change it. 
and then all of a sudden my name is getting published. Um, I, I remember there was a, a project I was working on in college that I ended up getting published for, and it's the first thing I ever got published in, which was a book on esports. Um, and that was all of a sudden this huge idea, like, whoa, I, I'm in a book. My name is in this this glossary. I wonder what we could do beyond that level. And social media kind of drives that in the esports industry. Yep. And I mean, there's a way to do it authentically too, right? Like you want to make sure that you are being authentic as you put yourself out there. And part of building a network is just making yourself available for other people. Like you want to help other people and you talking about volunteering for a project. That's a great, you know, scenario where, you know, if you didn't volunteer yourself or someone didn't know about you, you might've made that project, you know, 20 times better if they'd gotten you versus, you know, Maybe they didn't know about you and they had to settle for somebody else and uh, the project could have been just so much better. So to think about it that way can kind of help with the people who either may be suffering a little bit from the imposter syndrome or, you know, just don't want to make it seem like they're just out there trying to grab at everything. Yeah, I fully agree with that, especially in esports. It's so hard to know what qualifications different people have. And this is actually something I've experienced a lot with my new job. I have coaches that work for me that I didn't realize that they could do these things outside of uh, our specific esports that we're working in. Like I had one coach, his casting skills are amazing. Like mm. that's my goal next year is to bring him back as a caster. And I want him as a coach too, because he's excellent at that. But when we asked if somebody could cast, I, I had no expectations to have, find a gem like this. And the more that we're able to kind of just market our skills on social media, the easier it is for us, for others to be able to find them and for us mm -hmm. to be able to find places that we can fit in and, and really improve things. Absolutely. So besides the uh, constant improvement that we all need to do on our social media game, how else do you improve yourself? YouTube. YouTube is my main resource. Uh, when I was really focused on improving my coaching and trying to become the best that I could be. I was watching probably four hours of YouTube a day. Oh, wow. I was every single tips and tricks person in Fortnite. That was good. Like <laughs> really good. Those mm -hmm. are the guys I was watching their daily videos. I wanted to see how did they teach it? What are the ideas that they're coming across? What are the ways that they're approaching working with somebody? Ah. Because I have my own styles. Mm -hmm. But there's always another style that might work better with a specific student. And I, I've worked with over 2,000 students at this point. Each student's going to need a different approach. Yep. Maybe some of them, they're very similar, or you could even overlap. But most of them, right, we're all unique people. And being able to see how a different coach is going to interact with their students helps me be able to fill out the ways that I learn how to interact with people. Um, as well as just being able to understand new mechanics in a game, something like Fortnite is such a mechanically driven game. There's almost unlimited ways that we could find ways to use the game, find ways that we could uh, be able to manipulate it or even do what's a positive thing in Fortnite. Although most games view this negatively, uh, find exploits and what the game's mm -hmm. developers actually put in. Um, so I, I watched a lot of those guys. Uh, specifically, I looked for tips and tricks because basically what they're doing is they're coaching to a general audience. Right? They're not working with one person individually. They're saying, hey, everybody should know this. Yep. 
But then I also looked at who are the best coaches in the scene and how are they working with players? And typically they're going to be working with pros. So I still remember there's this one guy that I started following and his name was uh, my fellow Arab. And I was a little bit hesitant because I, I didn't know where that name was going to lead me. <laughs> but he was the self-acclaimed best Fortnite coach in the world. And his roster showed that there was some validity to that. I mean, when you would look at his videos, it was like coaching, insert famous name here. And there were a ton of them. So being able to see how he looked at the game and how he communicated it, as well as his own coaching style, because he almost exclusively did live game coaching. Whereas I primarily at this point had been doing uh, what we call creative coaching, where we'd actually be in a separate map and I would teach them things in that map. And then they would go into a match and I would do a little bit of live coaching, but it wasn't my focus. And after watching the way he did things, I started to shift my focus with my stronger students specifically. Once they graduated from my creative course, that's when we moved into more of this individualized live coaching style and being able to go over, okay, here's what you need to be thinking about the moment that it's happening. And I'm there to almost be like the, their conscience. I'm that voice in their head, encouraging them to do the right thing, encouraging them to have some patience and not necessarily push every single fight they see, which is one of the biggest issues you'll find in the Fortnite community. Mm -hmm. So how effective do you find that kind of coaching in the moment, you know, with, if they're playing a game, you know, they've got all the stress of playing the game. Plus, you know, you whispering in their ear, uh, how, how effective do you find that to be? That depends on two big variables. One is, have they learned the playbook? And that's a lot of what that creative style of coaching for me is, is I'm building a playbook with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to teach them how to do something. I'm going to give them a term for it. And then they know when I call that term, say, this is a popular one. I'm sure everybody will recognize this, crank. Well, that means you need to start doing 90s. So if they have worked on their 90s with me, A, I know what their speed is going to be. So I can try to make sure that I'm matching to the opponents that I'm seeing. If the opponent's going to be stronger, I'm not going to call that out because I see it's not going to end up working well. But if I do think it's going to work, I call that out. The student knows what they're supposed to do and they're able to act on it. So having the playbook is a number one fundamental for any type of life coaching. Uh, and then number two is working with the student on live coaching. It's something that they have to have some experience in because the first time, the second time, the third time they do it, they're not going to be good at it, yeah. at being coached live. Like that's a lot of information input at once because all of their basic input that they're doing from playing the game. And when I say basic, that's honestly not a great way to phrase it. It could be incredibly complex, all the input they're getting from the game. But now they have to add somebody else on top of that, telling them what to do and how to do it. It's hard. And so I always start any live coaching session with a student that I haven't done it before with saying, look, this is not going to go well. I want to make sure you <laughs> understand that. Yep. This is our test. This is you getting used to having me in your ear and me getting used to how fast your reaction rate is. Because I know I have to adjust how quickly I call things out based on the reaction rate. Do I need to be fully predictive or can I actually have some reactivity in the, the live coaching and call things out as they're doing them or as they're seeing them. Because for some students, yeah. once they get into a fight, the most I can call out is like, focus on peace control, make sure you're not taking 50-50s, like these kind of general ideas. 
But some students I can really be calling out, like you need a cone, get your wall. And all of a sudden their gameplay is improving. Nice. I think it's really important to remember as the coach too, that you're kind of adjusting to them if you're doing something like that, especially. Yeah. 100%. Very cool. So what are your future plans, Ben? What are you building towards? I've got a lot of plans. They're hard to kind of all piece together. Uh, I don't necessarily want to be the best Fortnite coach in the world. Uh, that's not really my goal. I don't have a lot of ambition towards working specifically with pros. I'm much more focused on finding the connection points between esports and education mm -hmm. and the ways that we can educate and promote the growth of our youth using esports. And maybe that's the teacher in me talking. I, I have a lot of training looking at students, looking at kids and trying to see how can we help them improve as people and how can we also help them improve in whatever academics we're focused on. And at this point for me, esports have become the academic focus. So my goal is to really build a program that students can connect all across the country and eventually the world, be able to compete against and with each other, be able to form lasting relationships, have teachers be involved in this program so that they're seeing how their students are growing from it and how we can make interdisciplinary connections between the esport that the student is playing and the education that they're receiving on an academic scale. Nice. For instance, if you play Rocket League, cool. Yeah, your, your car is going to go fast, going to hit a giant soccer ball. That's completely unrealistic. But now all of a sudden, the students are into cars. Okay, how can we be able to relate that back to their academics? Should they be learning more about um, how to change a transmission? Mm -hmm. Should they be learning about how engines function? Right? We have these engineering connections in the eSport that we could then link back to their education. And all of a sudden now they're invested. They're not learning this thing from a textbook that they're learning for the test and then forgetting. It's not just part of that summer dump. Yep. Instead, this is now something that they're interacting with on a daily basis, something that they're inspired by. And they're like, oh, wait, school is working for me. I'm not just doing the work for my school. Very cool. Yeah, especially with the all of the soft skills that come from participating in esports, especially, you know, team-based esports, you know, the things that kids learn with, you know, communication, teamwork, all that type of stuff, especially, you know, kids that are playing esports who wouldn't even think about, you know, playing physical sports. You know, it's a great place for them to be able to get in there and start learning those soft skills. And I think that one thing you highlighted on right there is huge for me students who wouldn't participate in a traditional sport what do we do with them mm -hmm. do we just tell them to go to av club and like leave them there no esports e is a place that they can fit in and that they can feel they're a part of I, I had a team i worked with last summer that we had a student who was restricted to a wheelchair he did not have a lot of mobility but he had full control of his hands and so he was able to play on a controller and participate in this esport in fortnite and his team actually made it to the national finals. And he got flown out in order to participate in this finals event with his team where they're getting broadcasted. Yep. They've got all these people commentating. There's the big stage. You see hundreds of different setups all in one room. I mean, this is an experience 
most students in a traditional school wouldn't get out of a traditional athletic, out of a traditional sport. And he's getting this out of playing Fortnite. Yep. That's an experience that is he's going to remember the rest of his life and is going to be something that he draws upon to be able to kind of stem. What, what can I really do? What can I achieve? Well, I achieved that. And that was pretty impressive. Absolutely. So as we're wrapping up here, what's the most important piece of advice you would give a brand new esports coach? To always be humble because there's always more to learn. As soon as you think you're the best, somebody's going to pass you. To always look at what are your outlets to learn. It could be YouTube, but I've also spent hundreds of hours reading articles. And those articles aren't just on an esport. Those articles are on educational theory, educational models. How do we teach things to people? How do we relate to other people? And really, as a new coach or as somebody starting out in coaching, you want to fill out as much of this information as you can. Learn everything you can about how to teach. Learn everything you can about whichever title you intend to teach and start with one. Maybe I shouldn't say start with one. Mm -hmm. Start with five. Find the one that you think you're going to have the most success in and then stick to one. Because when I started coaching, I was coaching people in Hearthstone, in League of Legends, in Magic the Gathering, in Fortnite. And I enjoyed all of these. But am I as good a Hearthstone coach as I am a Fortnite coach? No, of course not. I, I have hundreds of hours in Hearthstone coaching as opposed to thousands of hours in Fortnite coaching. So by selecting one title that I knew I was going to know everything about this game in and out, and I could be able to not only teach it to people, but predict what they would struggle with before they even struggled with it. Mm. That kind of blew their minds and showed them that I had the confidence and that I had the ability to help them improve. Excellent advice. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure to chat with you. Where can people find you online if they want to connect? Uh, on Discord, my name is I'm Boom hashtag 8220. And then on LinkedIn, I'm Ben I'm Boom Posada. Those are the two hands down best ways to get in contact with me. Fantastic. We'll put that in the show notes for everyone that uh, needs the spelling. And again, thank you so much.